Chapter Ten, Part Two of Lady Molly of Scotland Yard, by Baroness Orzee. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Woman in the Big Hat, Part Two. Of course, everyone expected that the inquest would reveal something of the murdered man's inner life. Would, in fact, allow the over-eager public to get a peep into Mr. Mark Culloden's secret orchard, wherein walked a lady who wore abnormally large velvet hats and who nourished in her heart one of those terrible grudges against a man which can only find satisfaction in crime. Equally, of course, the inquest revealed nothing that the public did not already know. The young widow was extremely reticent on the subject of her late husband's life, and the servants had all been fresh arrivals when the young couple, just home from their honeymoon, organized their new household at Lorbury House. There was an old aunt of the deceased, a Mrs. Steinberg, who lived with the Culledons, but who at the present moment was very ill. Someone in the house, one of the younger servants probably, very foolishly had told her every detail of the awful tragedy. With positively amazing strength, the invalid thereupon insisted on making a sworn statement, which she desired should be placed before the coroner's jury. She wished to bear solemn testimony to the integrity of her late nephew, Mark Culloden, in case the personality of the mysterious woman in the big hat suggested to evilly disposed minds any thought of scandal. "'Mark Culloden was the one nephew whom I loved,' she stated with solemn emphasis. "'I have shown my love for him by bequeathing to him the large fortune which I inherited from the late Mr. Steinberg. Mark was the soul of honour, or I should have cut him out of my will, as I did my other nephews and nieces. I was brought up in a Scotch home, and I hate all this modern fastness and smartness, which are only other words for what I call profligacy. Needless to say, the old lady's statement, solemn though it was, was of no use whatever for the elucidation of the mystery which surrounded the death of Mr. Mark Culloden. But as Mrs. Steinberg had talked of other nephews, whom she had cut out of her will in favor of the murdered man, the police directed inquiries in those various quarters. Mr. Mark Culloden certainly had several brothers and sisters, also cousins, who at different times, usually for some peccadillo or other, seemed to have incurred the wrath of the straight-laced old lady. But there did not appear to have been any ill-feeling in the family, owing to this. Mrs. Steinberg was sole mistress of her fortune. She might just as well have bequeathed it in toto to some hospital as to one particular nephew whom she favored, and the various relations were glad, on the whole, that the money was going to remain in the family rather than be cast abroad. The mystery surrounding the woman in the big hat deepened as the days went by. As you know, the longer the period of time which elapses between a crime and the identification of the criminal, the greater chance the latter has of remaining at large. In spite of strenuous efforts and close questionings of every one of the employees at Mathis's, no one could give a very accurate description of the lady who had tea with the deceased, on that fateful afternoon. The first glimmer of light on the mysterious occurrence was thrown, about three weeks later, by a young woman named Catherine Harris, who had been parlour-maid at Lorbury House when first Mr. and Lady Irene Culloden returned from their honeymoon. I must tell you that Mrs. Steinberg had died a few days after the inquest. The excitement had been too much for her enfeebled heart. Just before her death she had deposited two hundred and fifty pounds with her banker, which sum was to be paid over to any person giving information which would lead to the apprehension and conviction of the murderer of Mr. Mark Culloden. 
This offer had stimulated everyone's zeal, and, I presume, had aroused Catherine Harris to a realization of what had all the while been her obvious duty. Lady Molly saw her in the chief's private office, and had much ado to disentangle the threads of the girl's confused narrative. But the main point of Harris's story was that a foreign lady had once called at Lorbury House, about a week after the master and mistress had returned from their honeymoon. Lady Irene was out at the time, and Mr. Culloden saw the lady in his smoking-room. "'She was a very handsome lady,' explained Harris, "'and was beautifully dressed.' "'Did she wear a large hat?' asked the chief. "'I don't remember if it was particularly large,' replied the girl. "'But you remember what the lady was like?' suggested Lady Molly. "'Yes, pretty well. She was very, very tall and very good-looking.' "'Would you know her again if you saw her?' rejoined my lady. "'Oh, yes, I think so,' was Catherine Harris's reply. Unfortunately, beyond this assurance, the girl could say nothing very definite. The foreign lady seems to have been closeted with Mr. Culloden for about an hour, at the end of which time Lady Irene came home. The butler being out that afternoon, it was Harris who let her mistress in, and as the latter asked no questions, the girl did not volunteer the information that her master had a visitor. She went back to the servants' hall, but five minutes later the smoking-room bell rang, and she had to run up again. The foreign lady was then in the hall alone, and obviously wanting to be shown out. This Harris did, after which Mr. Culloden came out of his room, and in the girl's own graphic words, he went on dreadful. I didn't know I had done anything so very wrong, she explained, but the master seemed quite furious, and said I wasn't a proper parlour-maid, or I'd have known that visitors must not be shown in straight away like that. I ought to have said that I didn't know if Mr. Culloden was in, and that I would go and see. Oh, he did go on at me, continued Catherine Harris volubly. And I suppose he complained to the mistress, for she gave me notice the next day. And you have never seen the foreign lady since, concluded Lady Molly. No, she never come while I was there. By the way, how did you know she was foreign? Did she speak like a foreigner? Oh, no, replied the girl. She did not say much, only asked for Mr. Culloden, but she looked French-like. This unanswerable bit of logic concluded Catherine's statement. She was very anxious to know whether, if the foreign lady was hanged for murder, she herself would get the two hundred and fifty pounds. On Lady Molly's assurance that she certainly would, she departed in apparent content. End of Part 2 of The Woman in the Big Hat